All right. We are back once again. Happy Easter to all 2020. And uh, it's good to be here uh, amidst the lockdown with uh, COVID-19. But, uh, you know, the virus did not deter, uh, did not shut down Easter. It might have changed the conditions, but uh, Easter is what it is, and that can never be changed. So happy Easter to all. I'm Wayne. Happy Easter. I'm Steve. All right. He, he has risen. He has risen indeed. He is risen. Let's put it that way. He is yes, risen. Sir. Yes, yeah. sir. All right. What's Another, what we got going on today? What's we got some uh, issues hey, or what's going on today? We man? got a, we got a few topics for tonight that uh, we're going to chew on a little bit. And I think we're going to lead off uh, first to talk about a couple of uh, pioneers uh, in the community that passed this past week. Uh, the first we want to talk about uh, is Mr. Earl Graves, Sr., and um, Earl Graves Sr. was the founder of Black Enterprise Magazine. And, um, you know, Black Enterprise Magazine, uh, really important as far as the black community goes, because he highlighted uh, what was going on with black business, who's who's who in black business. He passed out, you know, divvied out financial information that was relevant uh, to the black community. And um, before reading Black Enterprise, I had no idea that, you know, there were, you know, these black businessmen and women all across the country doing tremendous amount of work uh, because we just didn't hear about them. Even in Ebony and Jet, you would occasionally read about someone here or there. But Black Enterprise was totally dedicated to black business. And so uh, he passed away this this week and just want to remember him uh, rest in power, most definitely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, the other passing, if you were around in the 80s, as, as we both were late 70s, early 80s, and uh, there was a there was roller skating was a big thing. <laughs> we talked about roller skating there. We used to go to the roller rink there down in E-Town uh, at the time. It was down on the corner there on, uh, was it Mulberry Street? Was Mulberry it? and uh, Helm, I think it was. Yeah, Mulberry and Helm, roller rink there. And so roller skating was huge. It's always been a big thing in the black community. But if you were around in the 80s, there was a certain song that epitomized the roller skating craze that was bounce, rock, skate, and roll. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Called Von Mason and the Crew, and so this past week, Von Mason, the leader of that group, passed away. So I just like, wow, man, another another legend uh, within the R and B music world uh, passed away. That song, but not only was it great to skate to, man, it 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 hyped up a lot of parties back in the day. So oh yeah, it was right towards <laughs> the end of the disco era. Yes. Yes. You know, and it was it was we were about ready to switch into a new genre, you know, before yep. before hip hop became hip hop. It was one of those songs that was a tweener. Yeah. Yep. You know, it was the end of the disco era and the beginning of the hip hop era, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge, man. And so um, I, I know we we parted a lot off of that. And so did a lot of folks who are our age. They remember that song. So I uh, want to also say rest in power, rest in peace uh, to Von Mason of Von Mason and the crew. So, yeah. So over to you, my friend. What do you what do you have for this? Evening? Well, I've, I've got a few things that I want to talk about and uh, a couple of things that kind of piss me off. 
you know, shortly after we had our uh, last time that we spoke, which was a week ago, you know, we had talked about the acting uh, secretary of the Navy who had fired the captain. And we had mentioned the captain of the USS Theodore Roosevelt. And we had mentioned that his crew gave him a huge send off as he left the ship. Uh, as he left the gangplank and come to find out that later on he was tested positive for the uh, uh, coronavirus as well. So we talked about that last week. The thing that I'm outraged about is that that secretary of the Navy, I think his name is uh, Thomas Modley. Yep. He has the nerve, and this is what really pisses me off. He has the nerve to fly to Guam where the aircraft carrier was stationed at, and they have all these sailors and uh, Marines that that have been tested positive. He flies all the way to Guam, spending our taxpayers' money to go to the USS Theodore Roosevelt, goes on board the ship that the captain had just left a week before, and he badmouthed the captain in front of his crew over their over the intercom system. Yep, yep. And what would possess him to do that? I'm sorry, but my 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 blood boils from this. Yeah. He goes all the way there, and then he badmouthed the captain, calling Captain Crozier too naive and too stupid to command an aircraft carrier. In front of his own crew. I'm surprised that he made it off that ship alive. Yeah, yeah. Because that's one thing that you do not do. Being, you know, the Coast Guard's a hell of a lot smaller than the United States Navy. But when you're on board a ship, you know, you become brothers. That's right. And you're out there uh, by yourself most of the time. And there's nobody on there but for you to protect you. If there's a fire that breaks out in a ship in the middle of the night, you can't call the fire department to put it out. Right. <laughs> when, you're, when you're 400 miles out, you got to put the damn fire out. So there's, you become brothers to your, your comrades in arms right there. And for him to get on board that ship and badmouth the captain that way, uh, it, it's un, unspeakable. Now, he got a lot of blowback from that. And within a couple of days, he resigned, which he should have done because he embarrassed himself. He embarrassed the Navy. He embarrassed the uh, Defense Department with that statement. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it just outraged me that he was able to to do that. It's just unspeakable, unmentionable that he would that he would do that. Right, right. Uh, it was a dastardly deed, and um, you know the Navy. A lot of tradition uh, in the in the seagoing services. Like you said, the Coast Guard is a lot smaller than the Navy, but a lot of history in the seagoing services. And you know, like you say, it's a brotherhood out there. Whether it's on a ship, whether it's on a submarine, there's brotherhood out there. And what those, what that crew showed him when he went down that gangplank, they gave him the utmost level of respect, you know, um, him leaving under the conditions which he did. And then to make it to make it even worse, 
the man tested positive for COVID-19 and you're still going to trash the guy. Yeah. I mean, you, you have no it, it, it's it's all these people. It's it's you, you can you can write the script, man. All these people who are associated with the current occupant, they're all built from the same cloth. They're cowards and they they seem, you know, disparaging people. They think wins them uh, support from people. When in fact, you know, you you're trashing this guy's integrity. You're trashing his reputation. To me, man, I mean, you you've you've been like I said, military, both retired military, been in the military. To achieve a certain rank in the military, it requires skill. It requires expertise. You've paid some dues, especially in the Navy. When you get to be a captain, yeah, you you have man, you've paid some dues, and you're a captain of a nuclear aircraft carrier. Oh, yeah. You know, so how are you naive or stupid to get to that level? And to me, you're the one that's stupid by trashing this guy in front of his own crew. And it, it's par for the course. And, 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 and it came out. I don't know if you heard or not, but he did what he did to fire the guy in the first place because the current occupant, they got wind of some memo or something that says, right. oh, guess what? Trump wants him fired. So right away, he feels, I got to go do this to make me look good in the eyes of the current occupant. Yeah. And so you're right, man. It, it pissed me off to, to, to this guy trashing this commander in front of his own crew. That's that's really low. Really, really low. So, yeah. But, hey, you know what? Karma's a bitch because um, now you're out. You're gone. Take your ass back to wherever you came from. Uh, you resigned, which you should have. As a matter of fact, he should have been fired. He should have been fired. Uh, Joint chief, somebody should have fired him, you know. But uh, since he's the acting um, secretary, or he was the acting, uh, that is a uh, political position, not a military um, a position. But, um, you know, he got his just desserts. Get your ass out of here. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. I, what I'm waiting to see is is if the current occupant is going to have the cojones to say, you know what, this guy was severely wronged and I am going to reinstate him to command back on the USS uh, Theodore Roosevelt. I want to see if he has the cojones to do that. And since you've interfered in every other military thing that's come up, pardoning war criminals and all this other stuff, why don't you do the right thing? And exercise your powers as the commander in chief and reinstate this guy's command. It'll be the right thing to do. You love veterans. You love the military so much. Do the right thing. Do yeah, the right yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hold your breath on that one. It would be nice <laughs> yeah. if he does it. But, yeah. you know, he's he's never thought that he's ever done anything wrong. He's never been wrong about anything. So, right. you know, he's a genius. So, right. Uh, right. And, and, Let's see how far that goes. Right. And, and you know, even though he said, I'm going to look into it, dude, after it came out of the fact that you're the one who wanted the guy fired in the first place, what what are you going to look into? Right. I mean, what are you going to look into? Yeah. But, and, and the Modley guy said that he was doing this also because he thought right. this is what the current occupant would not right. have liked. So right. Right. he he took it upon himself right. to get rid of the guy because he's afraid of the current occupant because he yeah. would have looked down upon that situation. Yeah. yeah. Which, which again, I don't understand, man, why all these 
so-called powerful men and women are afraid of this guy. He is a, he's a coward. I mean, what are you afraid of this guy for? You know, do your job. Now, maybe the commander, maybe, you know, the chain of command wasn't followed to the nth degree. But this is a this is a difficult situation that you're dealing with on an aircraft carrier, 4,000 people on it, and you've got something like this spreading through the ship. Hey, the chain of command sometimes, you know, you got to violate the chain of command. Yeah. And, and you got to sound the, like, hey, we got a problem here. I need help. Otherwise, my whole ship could end up getting wiped out uh, from this virus. And right now I said there's they think there's about 500 something uh, sailors. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the crew that have tested positive, along with the captain, who's still uh, still under care uh, in Guam. So terribly, terrible situation. I mean, how far how far can the aircraft carrier go if all those pilots on those F-18 right. and F-22s and the uh, uh, Blackhawks, all those, those those helicopters, what if they get sick? They can't carry out their mission. No, they, they can't perform the mission. And that's that's what he was alerting people to. It's like, look, I've got a problem here. One, we're not under we're not under war, but we are. We do have a critical situation here and I need to get help to this crew. And that's what to me, that's what a captain does. You you sound the alarm that, hey, something's wrong. I need help. And so, you know, we can't we can't fix it ourselves. No, we have to get help. To fix this, we can't do our job unless we get these right. people off this ship, right. Right. get them tested, see who's sick, so that we can carry out our mission, right. and that's moving right. our flag forward. Right. And now you've got a you've got a carrier setting in Guam, unable to you know perform its mission and support our national security. Can't do that because you know his pleas were ignored, and uh, you know he gets trashed while he's down sick. But like I say. Good things happen, man, because my man is out. And to me, good riddance, you know, take your ass back to wherever you came from. And, uh, you know, we'll see who they appoint next. But it's probably going to be somebody else, man, that's that kowtows to the current occupant uh, that, uh, you know, is always going to be looking over their shoulder, afraid to do what they know they should be doing in that role because they're afraid. So, yeah, uh, it, it's going to be status quo, uh, whoever they appoint to be the next acting secretary of the Navy. So every everybody in his administration is damn near acting. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't they don't want to go through the rigors of going through congressional approval right. or Senate approval. Right. right. So right. the easy thing to do is to slide people in there, slide by and leave them as acting. And yep. that way there's no accountability. Right. And they, they can do more damage uh, that way. And that's just what we saw. You know, that's to me, man, you got to be pretty low to trash someone when they're down, trash someone when they're down. And it's doubly low to do it in front of people who you know just because what you saw, the the demonstration of, of loyalty that you saw when that guy walked off that gangplank, you know these people are loyal to this guy to the death, and you're going to trash this guy. I mean, that's, you know, you, you deserve everything you get, man. You deserve everything you got. So, um, enough said about that. Yes, sir. Let's, let's let's move on to the other thing that pissed me off. <laughs> You're real pissed tonight, man. Oh man, I am up to here. If you could see my hand, I am up to here. 
<laughs> go back to the honeymooners. To the moon. I'm gonna knock them to the moon. Yeah. Right in the kisser, Alice. Right in the kisser. That's right. <laughs> People our age and older would understand that. You yeah. young folks, you know, you may have to look that up. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the next thing that's that's kind of got me upset is on this past Tuesday, uh, there was a primary election in the state of Wisconsin. The one thing that I'm upset about is the fact that the governor of the state, I think his name is uh, Tony Evers, mm-hmm. he uh, tried to move the primary back to June the 9th, I think it is. So the, the, the issue is this, is that the politics of Wisconsin, there is a three to three uh, position on their Supreme Court, three Democrats, three Republicans. And whoever wins the election in November, then that's going to give them a majority of the uh, Supreme Court in Wisconsin. Well, uh, the legislature in Wisconsin is a supermajority. They somehow, more people voted against the Republicans in the uh, 2018 midterm elections, but the way they've got things gerrymandered there, the Republicans gained more seats. They lost more votes, but they gained more seats simply be how things are gerrymandered, how they've got the elect the uh, 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 precinct maps divvied up in the state of Wisconsin. So that's an issue that the governor, Tony Evers, wanted to deal with. The other issue is like many other, other, other of the red states is that they want to purge these uh, minorities from their voting, voting block. And so uh, they want to purge about 240, 250 or 60,000 uh, minorities from their voting so that they can continue to control their legislator. Well, who, since there is a since there's a three to three uh, balance court, that will aid them in purging those voters from their uh, those people from their voters rolls. Well, the this is kind of a, a long story, I guess. The governor Evans Evers called a special session to come back to move the uh, primary date to the ninth. Well, since there's a supermajority for the Republicans, they said, no, we ain't doing that. We're not doing it. You can't do it. So the governor decides that he's going to do an executive order. Executive order, I am moving the election, primary elections back to June the 9th because of this coronavirus. You know, we have people that can possibly be standing in line less than six feet apart and they're passing this virus around. If they're voting as as the way this thing is going right now, they're just getting to their peak. So these voters are going to have to choose to do their 
a civic obligation and vote and possibly catch this virus and possibly die. So he goes and says, okay, I'm writing an executive order. The, the Republican uh, Party in Wisconsin files a suit. The suit goes to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, uh, they appeal it since there's, there's no one that's going to budge on it. And they appeal it to the appellate court. And the appellate court rules that, well, you can't do that because it's not a legislative thing. So they appeal it all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court says, well, we're going to leave it to the lower ruling. Of course, it was a five-to-four decision. Uh, five Republicans said, let's hold this vote and possibly have these people you know, get this virus because it is, a, um, it is a, an election year, and so the governor wasn't able to do it. The other thing that goes along with that is that the current occupant um, endorsed the Republican candidate for the Supreme Court in Wisconsin. So there's another reason for this uh, election to be controversial. So the big thing is that the these people are going to be standing in line and they're possibly – they have stood in line and possibly going to be contracting this virus because they forced them to vote on the um, on, on last Tuesday. Okay, uh, it's it's a it's a travesty. It's a travesty. Yep, um, another one of those. You know, what are you so afraid? What are you so afraid? Um, for people to exercise their right to vote, one, in a manner that's safe, um, you know, instead of you've got people lined up. And I saw the lines. The lines were, you know, a mile long for people standing in line waiting to vote. It's like and people holding up signs saying this is ridiculous. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, it's like, what are you so afraid of? Why don't you want people to vote, especially in these days and times? Why don't you want people to vote that's safe, it's secure, and people mail in their ballots, you count them, and that's it. But no, you want to try to rig the process to force people, as you said, to choose between do I exercise my civic duty and vote or do I not, and then my vote isn't counted, I have no voice. Yeah. And you want the results skewed toward your side. And that is what we have to be on guard with coming up in the election for November. It's not the Russians that are, that are going to try to sabotage this thing or anybody. It's within. It's within the Republican Party. They're going to try to skew this in their favor by making it difficult for people to vote, especially minority citizens. Yeah. And we, we've seen this. Uh, with with voter suppression being happening um, all across the country in the 2018 election, uh, the 2016, uh, not the yeah the one that just happened, 2018 uh, election where the Democrats were able to take control of the House, but you had all kind of a, attempts of voter suppression going on, and you think it was bad then. You can imagine what it's going to be like when the stakes are as high as they're going to be in November. They're going to pull every trick out of the book to try to stop people from voting. And it's appalling. 
It is important. Yeah. And you know what, Wayne? The um, in Milwaukee, they went from uh, polling sites. They went from 180 polling locations to five. Yep. Yep. Saw that too. 180 to five. So what they're going to say is that we want these people to stand in line. And the majority of Milwaukee, I think the majority of Milwaukee is probably black. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think there was, well, I think, there's a large percentage of black folks in Milwaukee. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I shouldn't say I, the majority, but there's a large percentage of black yeah. folks in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you go from 180 precincts or polling locations to five, people are going to get frustrated and just going to leave. Right. And, and that's, you know, and, and, and right. in November in Milwaukee, it's not going to be warm. It's not no. going to be 60 to 70 degrees. No, they they are systematically, man, taking away what people have marched and died for. They're systematically taking it away. And I don't hear anybody raising the bullshit flag. You know, nobody is raising the flags like, look, you cannot take away people's right to vote, you know, and and no one seems to be saying anything about it other than, you know, the people you expect to be saying saying something about it. But you don't hear anybody uh, within the Congress, the Republican Congress saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, We have to allow people the right to vote. And I guarantee you, if the ruling comes down, because they're 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 messing with this now, that in lieu of what's going on with COVID-19, there may be uh, the fact that it's going to have to be mail-in voting. Right. And I guarantee you the current occupant, his cronies, and a lot of the folks who, who you know lean on every word this idiot says, they're going to somehow come up with this, uh, this fallacy that somehow the election was rigged against him because people voted by mail. It's coming. I guarantee you it's coming. And well, you know. Did you hear the uh, the one, I mean, you know, the, the current occupant has to get on the TV every day. I think the past two days, I think they told him to get the hell off, right. off of the TV because people are tired of looking at his ass. Right. But someone asked him the question about um, mail-in voting and says that, you know, he goes, oh, I'm against mail-in voting. Yeah, I can see it now where they'll get people in the room and they're going to they're gonna, uh, uh, change all the ballots around and, and, and Republicans will never win. And she goes, well, didn't you mail in your ballot last year? Well, and he said, well, well, I can't. I, I can't be in Florida for uh, the election. Now, that's 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 a stupid answer you don't want people to mail in their ballots but and she got his ass good oh yeah i saw you mailed in your ballot and you're saying you don't like people to mail in your ballot but it's good for you to mail in your ballot right right right. that doesn't make sense right again he he, every time he opens his mouth man he shows how stupid he is And, and and i'm glad she was on his behind about that man i i applaud her for going there and you know you you look stupid man as soon as you said that you look as stupid as you know what (laughs) it's good for you but it's not good for the average citizen i mean come on yeah so i can hear him now man when he loses the election i said when 
when he loses the election in November and we are still dealing with COVID-19 and people aren't going to be allowed to go to polling places, you know, because they may find it difficult to maintain social distancing and whatnot. And mail-in ballots are the thing. I guarantee you when he loses, he's going to say the election was rigged. It's rigged against me. Oh, he's selling it already. You know, yeah, already setting up the ruse and people can't fall for it. Don't fall for the okie doke. Don't fall for it. And so I'm like, come on, man. People have been doing mail-in voting for as long as I can remember. And and as I told my wife the other night, we were talking, I said, okay, so you're going to say there's no mail-in voting. What do you tell the military people stationed out of the country? Right. You're trying to say they, they, they don't have a right to vote? They're defending your, your dumb ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you're, you're going to tell them they don't have a, they can't mail in a ballot because you, you think it's rigged or whatever. I mean, get real. Get real, man. He, he, he is as stupid as they come, man. So, um, yeah, that, that was just, it was despicable, man, having those people stand out there. But it's 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 all a part of this suppressing people's votes, man, because they know that this time the referendum on coming up on this election, it's against the current occupant and all the foolishness he's been doing here for the last three years. And people are going to come out to vote and they're afraid of that. So they got to put things in motion to stop people voting, having people stand in line in a pandemic. Are you kidding me? I mean, that what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And I'm looking for the results of how many people start testing positive here probably in the next week or so from standing in that line for as long as they did. You watch. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's that was outrageous. And one one other thing, this is this we're going to segue to one other quick thing that that's an outrage to me. And I just just noticed this, you know, as we're looking at, you know, the number of unemployment um has gone up. People that are filing for unemployment claims in the past couple of weeks has been about 12 million people. And uh, I was just thinking, if we go back to 2009, it, it just made me think about the stimulus package that they just voted on. They voted on two of them, and they passed, and the current occupant has uh, signed those stimulus package. They're working on another one. The thing that that gets me, if you remember in 2009 when we went through the Great Recession that we've just gotten out of, there was not one, not one single Republican that voted for that stimulus package. Not one in the House of Representatives or in the Senate. Not one. Yep, I remember that. Yep. And in this current stimulus package, the Democrats have voted in favor of that. Now, that makes you think, who's playing politics here? Do you really want people to get things done? Do you really want to help the people out? Or do you want my guys in charge now? You guys look like you're holding up things while the Democrats has chosen to work on getting things better and helping the middle class, the small business owners, and the people that are working the everyday jobs. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they and they 
voted on that. We've had some people say, well, the Democrats voted against the Senate package. Well, people should ask, why did they vote against the Senate package? Right, right, right. What, what was in there that they said no to instead of just jumping out and saying, well, look what the Democrats did. Well, why did they do it? What was their what was their what caused them to do that? Right. Was it was it more money going to the rich? Was it money that wasn't going to be not controlled, but that people can look and find out where this money is going? Well, that's all part of that, you know, and then that just kind of ticks me off as well. You know, President Obama was such a bad guy that they said no to anything that he did. Yep. Stimulus package, whatnot. Yep. Yep. And so if it wasn't for uh, Paulson under George W. Bush and the Obama administration, the auto industry would have failed. We would have been a hell of a lot worse than we did end up. And not one Republican voted for it in the House or the Senate. Yep. Yep. History, history will show. History is going to show when it's all written that, um, you know, President Obama was not perfect. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I, he was not perfect. No. But to be painted in the way that he has been painted that, you know, he didn't do anything. He was the worst prison we had. The majority of, 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 of why he couldn't get a lot of the things done that he had the vision to do, it was because Republicans were blocking every damn thing that he tried to do. I remember his State of the Union. It was probably 2009 State of the Union where he stood up and talked about having an infrastructure package. Mm-hmm. It was going to cost, you know, $320 million or something like that. I forgot what the figure was. An infrastructure package to put people to work repairing bridges, repairing roads, repairing, um, you know, the um, the infrastructure with, with our water and this type of stuff probably would have alleviated the issue that we have in Flint, you know, if those pipes had gotten fixed during that time. Right. But he was not supported in no form or fashion by the Republicans. They, they, they blocked everything he did. And I'm surprised he was able to get done what he did during his eight year time because he was constantly having to fight these idiots every day. Right. So fast forward. Now we've got all this money going out across the country. And like you say, man, people are stupid. All they see is the Democrats blocking them. I see there they go. They're blocking it. They want to hurt Trump. They want to No, there's a reason why they're not voting for it. And if you take a real close look at it, as the Democrats did, it's like, wait a minute, you're, you're, you're screwing certain segments of the society that needs a serious hand up to get their lives back on track. Why aren't you having that coverage in there? So if people would read and listen and watch instead of listening to one network all the time that's always going to paint things a certain way, you've got to be informed. And the majority of Americans, all they see is it's us versus them. That's all they see. And whatever is going on, it's got to be something to take down the current occupant. And the majority of time, that is a lie. They lead out of fear. Right, right. And and they don't want oversight of anything. Right. You know, they just want to let this guy run roughshod. But, you know, oversight is a part of Congress. It is part of uh, their job is to perform oversight. And he's fired one IG who was going to be the guy overseeing some of the money that was going out. He fires this guy and now he's going to put in some other clown 
that is loyal to him. So you wonder about, you know, what is going on? And yeah. again, no one's raising the BS flag because they are sucking up to this guy. They're afraid of this guy and they don't want to do their damn jobs. So my thing is, come November, I hope people turn out and vote in mass. And we need to vote out all these people who are doing nothing for the people. Their interest is solely with for themselves. And they could care less whether a lot of these small businesses that are suffering, they could care less whether a lot of these small businesses are going to be able to come back or not. Their only concern is protecting the idiot that's currently occupying the White House. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the other thing, Wayne, that that's so odd is that if you go back to the uh, contract with America, go back to Newt Gingrich and those guys in the 1990, 94, somewhere in there, and all they wanted to do is that we have to balance the budget. We have to balance the budget. We're not going to spend anything on entitlements. We're not going to do anything because these people are just taking, taking, taking and not doing anything. So as soon as this uh, COVID-19 um, takes over and we have to stay, we have to physically distance ourselves from one another and businesses start closing. OK, uh, you go back to two years ago and they they put that stimulus package in that helped the the top one percent that's spending money, two trillion dollars spending money. You know, under the previous administration, under the Obama administration, they would say we're not doing anything. We're not spending any money. We can't even get infrastructure done because you're spending too much money. Yeah. Now you get to current the current occupant, and he wants to spend $2 trillion to help out big business. Oh, but it's going to help everybody out. Everybody is going to, their taxes are going to be dropped. Yeah, right. You yeah. know, how much How much money did it save me? $24 a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, but, I think when we added ours up, we got about 20, maybe 19, 18 some dollars or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. And these break. big businesses are getting hundreds of millions of dollars and yeah. we're getting, yeah. and we're getting 20 bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, and, and, we, and you know, oh, go ahead. And, and then we talk about, you know, these stimulus package that we're doing to save the economy now, you know, Back under the Obama administration, we ain't spending any money. Now they don't give a damn about spending money. And you know what? You don't hear nobody talking about, man, This we can't spend this money. It's going to add more to the national debt. You don't hear nobody saying a word about Not it. Not a word. Our Nine grandchildren, teeth. our poor grandchildren are going to yeah. have to oh, live yeah. with this debt. Oh, our poor. Yeah. Oh, his grandchildren yep. going to have to live with all this death. No one gives a damn about the debt when their party is in That's or right. one one party is the majority in the Senate and the other party's majority in the House. No, this all I our ideas of saving money and all that stuff, a contract with the money with America and balancing budget. You just throw that out. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, a couple of couple of weeks ago, you know, I don't get political too much on on Facebook or anything like that. But I forget uh, I shared something with someone and it's something like, you know, socialism is bad except when you need the help and then you accept. It's like, you know, people getting this 1200 bucks from the federal government, you right. know. You know, socialism is, is bad except when I need 
help. Yeah. You yep. know, and I had a couple friends say, you know, I just thought it's pretty, pretty intuitive right. for them to say <laughs> you're against this. But when you need help, you'll take it. You accept right. this. Right. You know, so it's hypocritical. Yeah. You know, and a couple people say, well, you shouldn't bring politics into the economy. Well, the whole economy is about politics. Right. <laughs> really? Yeah. And, and, and then once one stupid person who who uh, unfriended me, but kept, you know, I didn't unfriend him. And he comes back and goes, well, I can see that, you know, helping people that really need the money. I'm like. You're a dumbass. <laughs> People that really need the money, you, you, I would. It's like vote for vote for socialism or vote for receiving this check. He goes, I would vote for socialism, but if the people that really need the money, I'll like I'll, I I can go along with that. Man, that, doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of Americans, man, we're stupid. We don't read. We don't pay attention to anything, man. So when you when certain comments are made, it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you are you kidding me? So I I just man, it, it's this is a very interesting time uh, with you. You can see it. Politics are all over this, man. Yes. They're all over this. And I'm afraid that as as we know, my wife and I talk about it all the time, man. Um, a lot of people, you know, they're making it. It's so difficult to apply to a lot of the websites to fill out what you got to fill out to get the money. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and who is it hurting? It's hurting the mom and pops. It's hurting yeah. the minority businesses. That's who's hurting. And a lot of these folks, they may not come back when this is over. Yeah. They may not come back when this is over. I mean, they got they have things that says, well, you know, we're going to look at your your score. Right. Well, if if you haven't been in business that long and you've got a company of 100 people, well, you don't have the you don't have the good relationship with the bank. So therefore, we're not going to give the banks that money to give to you. Right. Right. You know, that's that's like when I was trying to get a head coach, a football coaching job. It's the idea that, well, we need somebody that has head coaching response, head coaching experience. Well, if you never give somebody the opportunity right. to get a head coaching experience, how do you? How, how am I going to become a head coach? Right, right. You're not ever going to give me the. You're never not ever going to give me the chance to become a head football coach if I've never been one before. So right. what do I have to do? But that only applies in certain cases, man. That only Absolutely. applies in certain cases. And you know where I'm going. You oh, know I know. Going right. I know. And for you know, and, and, and since I'm a basketball player, we, we sort of got off here, but that's what we do on across the tracks. Sometimes we go across the tracks into another different direction. But this that you you mentioned, right? You you always hear, and I'm a basketball person, and I watch. And so when a head coaching job comes open in the NBA or whatever, the first thing out of someone's mouth, hey man, so and so will be a great coach. He don't have any head coaching experience. But they'll turn around and they'll hire this white dude who's never played in the NBA, never played one quarter. He gets a head coaching job. So you tell me, why is this guy more qualified than this individual who's played in the league for 15 or 20 years? You're trying to tell me they can't be a head coach? You're trying to tell me Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could not be a head coach in the NBA, but yet you're going to hire someone like Billy Donovan who never 
coached and never was a head coach in the NBA. As far as I know, he didn't play in the NBA, but he gets a head coaching job with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Maurice Cheeks is his assistant. Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. So yeah. It's, we, we know that there's different strokes for different folks. <laughs> and and well your, your, your situation is like, well, how the hell am I, how am I going to get experience if you don't give me a shot? But you're going to give somebody else a shot. And, and they don't look like me, but you're going to give them a shot and it's all good. And I'm not supposed to say anything about that. So that is a story for another day. Yes, but sir. Uh, I just want to throw that in there since you brought it up. But, you know, you, like you, it's it's akin to what's going on with the people trying to get the money. Well, you don't have a relationship with with this bank. I mean, what does that have? To, the money is out there for these small businesses to get. But people are being told well, you don't have a relationship with this bank. I yeah. mean, give me a break. Yeah. And again, you don't have leadership at the top of the government saying, look, this is a difficult time. We've put this money out there for small businesses to use. We need you. If they come to you needing a loan for that money, you need to give them that money. But again, we have no leadership at the top to do that. And it goes back to that question you said about oversight. Right. You know, oversight would see that this is not going on correctly. Right. And they would try to correct that problem. They try to correct it. And people are people are going to get hurt over this because their business is going to go under because you're denying them that money that's been earmarked to support small business. And you're not giving them the money because, well, you, you don't bank with us. Who gives a rat's ass? The government has made the money available. And that's where this person who would be in charge of like, hey, look, whatever this is going on, you need to you need to drop your whatever. For the time being, someone comes to you. Hey, you establish a relationship with them by giving them the loan. That's how you. That's how you do that. That's right. And then when they when they pay the loan back, then they their credit back. Their credit's credit's good. We are we are just man. This is it. it, Like you said, a lot of things about everything on it pisses you off because from afar you can see that like you know what this is not working the way it's supposed to. And people are suffering over this, and a lot of people may not recover from this. They may right. not recover. That America is going to look totally different uh, with a lot of the small businesses uh, who make up the backbone of this country. Uh, they may not recover from this. All right, brother. We we got on a little tangent there. We'll, we'll we'll move on. You know, I gotta. I'm gonna have to put a fan in my little closet in here yeah, so I can cool they, off a little that, bit. They say it was getting hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we're getting close to the top of the hour. So I got one more topic I want to throw out. And right. uh, this, this, this concerns uh, the comments made by the Surgeon General uh, the other day at press conference. You mean that Surgeon General? Yeah, I think it's yeah, that, that Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Adams, uh, Jerome gotcha. Adams, I think is his name. And uh, he made some comments and um, I understood where he was going. But as Twitter and a lot of the the black centric uh, social media outlets, they weren't having it because they're like, uh, man, you 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 could have said this somewhere else in another form. Um, and to people who may listen to the podcast, I mean, the the doctor basically said, look, hey, black people, uh, we know we've got some underlying issues. In our community, i.e. diabetes, we've got um, high blood pressure, things going on. Obesity. 
Yeah, obesity. So this COVID-19, this coronavirus, it's hitting us especially hard. So you got to take care of yourself and you got to do it for your, your big mama, do it for your pop pop. And he mentioned abuela if you're talking to Hispanic, but you're black and you're primarily talking to black people. So abuela don't necessarily apply to us. We understand big mama and pop pop. OK, <laughs> and so people were like, did he what did he say? I mean, we yeah. were like, what did he say? He went ebonic on them. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, OK, man, th- this was not the place or the time, even though we know those issues are prevalent in our community. You know, uh, but there, I think there's a time and place for that. And that was not the forum for him to to pull out his black card and, you know, and go there. I, I, I what, What's your take on it? That's how I took. Hey, I agree with you 100 percent. man. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's a time and a place to do this. Right. But, you know, as as we grew up in our families that you don't air your dirty laundry out in public. Right. Right. You don't do that. Right. You know, this is something that this is something that goes on at First Baptist. It goes on at Eastern Star. It goes on right. at the right. First Church of Christ and so on. You right. don't do that out in public, and especially you be the face of the the medical community for the government. Right. 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 You know, that, and, and, and I guess maybe after all this time of him standing in the background looking like a statue while the current occupant is blowing off steam or whatever, he finally got a chance to speak and he lost his damn mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> like, dude, you must think you at the cookout or somewhere. <laughs> yeah. He's at, <laughs> he's at the barber shop. Right, you at the barber shop. Yeah. <laughs> this ain't the barber shop. <laughs> so, you know, people were coming at him pretty hard, man, on Twitter and and the root, man. Some of them some of the people were commenting on the root and blackamerica.web. I mean, they were like, Man, who does this Negro think he is? <laughs> you know? Well, you know, first of all, there's not a lot of there's not going to be a lot of trust in him because he's working for the current occupant at yeah, 1600 yeah. Pennsylvania Avenue. That's that's a downfall right there. I mean, if you look at if you look at the current occupant's administration, you don't see very many flies in the sugar bowl. Nope. Nope. No, hardly any. Nope. Ben Carson and him is the only ones I've seen. Those are the only ones I can think of. <laughs> really, so, that's the only ones I can think of. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So we're going to be skeptical of him by being that that fly in the sugar bowl. Right, right, right. And again, he, you know, we 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 all know what he said was true. We we know that. That's true. He's <laughs> he's, know, he's speaking truth. He's speaking truth. But you you need to speak truth in a form that is uh, more conducive to speaking that truth. And being on national TV is not that that place or time. And so I, hopefully, hopefully he he heard the, the rumblings uh, coming from different aspects of the community. And uh, he'll think twice about, uh, as you say, airing the uh, the dirty laundry of the family on national television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So. Anyway. Oh, yeah. But. Uh, that's all I had for tonight, my friend. Um, okay, okay. Any, any anything else you got for tonight? Well, you know, I'd 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 say this. This is uh, 
kind of a sad note. I know the last time that we talked, I said I had a a close friend that had um, had uh, contracted the uh, coronavirus. Right, right. And on um, Monday afternoon, Monday morning, about six a.m., he passed away. Oh wow! Sorry to hear that. Yeah, he's he's one of our you know Corvette Club members. Yeah, Just a yeah. great great friend. You know, and then um, later on that afternoon, after we had heard that tragic news, we heard that his mom had also been hospitalized with the virus. And then she passed away on Wednesday of this past week. Man. Yeah. And so, you know, with with that, you know, you can't have very many people come to the funerals or anything like that. So, you know, our our Corvette Club and our our small family of friends here in Indianapolis, we've lost a a really nice, really good guy, man. He was loved all over the all over the country, you know, because we're members of another national Corvette uh, organization as well. And so, you know, we like to, you know, we, we've told people that, you know, send up prayers for the family and so on. And, you know, he's survived by a daughter and a wife. And, um, you know, we, we talked to them today and, um, and anything that we could do for him, we'll, we told him we'll help him out. So that's, that's a sad note, you know, but, uh, you know, that's that's um, the last thing that I had. Yeah. Well, I, I want to throw this out because uh, we were talking about this today. You know, my wife and I were talking about this since it's Easter Sunday. And uh, we were talking about, you know, where where do we think, uh, you know, God fits into what is going on? And and I told her, I said, well, my perspective, I, I don't think God caused the virus to come into existence. That was a human thing. That was a human error that generated what's going on. And it's it's now spread. However, I do believe God will use this situation because now he's got the entire world's attention mm-hmm. and he's got the entire world's attention. And I'm hoping and I'm sure he's probably like, OK, what are these people going to learn from this? And my hope is that we learn, even though you and I, people like us, we have a lot of friends uh, back in E-Town. We know uh, and you and I both, man, I, I grew up. I grew up, man. We didn't know we were poor because it never came. We knew whatever we needed. We had. Right. You, you never you, you, you didn't think you were poor because your parents always made sure you had. But what this has done, it's pulled the curtain back on the huge disparity between those that have and those that have not. Exactly. And what I'm hoping is that what God is going to, the message he's trying to send is like, hey, the poor are always going to be with you. The Bible even says that the poor are always going to be with you. At what point are you going to recognize that I have given enough provision to the entire world that no one should be hungry, no one should be homeless. There's enough for everyone. And I'm hoping that that is the message that we get out of this, that there is enough for everyone in this world if we share and quit being greedy and you know looking down on people because they don't look like us, they don't come from where we're from, whatever, 
everybody, and we talked about this on one of the earlier podcasts, everyone contributes to what goes on in this world in some form or fashion. Everyone plays a part. And so I think that that is the lesson he's trying to teach. Are we going to learn? I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping that we have a positive outcome and that we do treat uh, each person we come in contact as our brother, as our sister, and we're able to learn from this and, and truly make the world a better place for everyone who lives in it. So just wanted to throw that in before we uh, wrap up the broadcast tonight. But uh, well, well think, stated, my brother. Well stated. I, I, I think that's that's what's going on. And, and I'm hoping that uh, we heed and we act accordingly. Yes, sir. Well, all right, then we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. We leave it at a positive note there. Absolutely. And then we'll uh, move on. And hopefully this time next week, we'll be back at our uh, stations. I'll be in my closet. You'll be in your basement. (laughs) Be down in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be able to uh, talk about other interesting uh, topics. Uh, hopefully next weekend and we won't have to deal with outrage. Uh, there'll be some positive things that we can deal with as well. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm Steve and I'm Wayne and this has been across the tracks guys from E-Town and this is across the tracks as my brother just stated. All right. We're out and we're out of here.